Country Stride 100 features readings by Sue Allen and Jonathan Humble. The poem Grassmere Lake is taken from the collection The Built Environment, published by Pavilion Poetry at Liverpool University Press. To sign up to our newsletter and to receive details about our 100th birthday Country Stride Live event, visit www.countrystride.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Country Stride, the podcast dedicated to the landscapes, people and heritage of Cumbria and the Lake District. I'm here today on a perfect winter's day. Clear blue skies, snow on the fells, in the heart of the lakes in Grasmere with author, illustrator and our guide for today's 100th edition. Mr. Mark Richards. Hello, Mark. <laughs> Hello, Mr. David Felton. It's, it's wonderful to be back with you, David. What a celebration we can look forward to. We've got a lovely group of people that we're looking forward to sharing the day with, and the weather just could not be more celebratory. Before we get to all of that, Mark, we should gently rewind the years. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what year it was when we strode out for the very first time. Yeah, we got the summit of Scorfell Pike in our sights and it was back in 2018 which seems an ice age ago. We were teenagers then. <laughs> oh, mere striplings and uh, the adventure ahead of us, we had no idea how long it was going to be or how many episodes we were going to do we were just going to try out an idea That's right, we'd done one practice up to the wood mines at Seathwaite just you and I and it hadn't worked very well because I hadn't worked out how to cut out the wind noise which, if you're recording in the Lake District Fells, uh, that was a lesson very early learned. <laughs> yes. But from there, it's been uphill ever since. Yes, it's been up, down, all around, and we've met the most remarkable people. Such a diversity of people. Mm. It has enriched my life beyond avarice. It's been an absolute joy, not only to get out into places around the county that I'd never been to, places like... Rear Church. I still remember Rear Church being a fabulous highlight. Yeah, we were with Jamie Normington, a lovely man. That's right, the salt marshes on the north coast. I hadn't oh, been there. Yeah, and Lingard. Dentdale. Colin Speakman. So many great guests. And it's all part of this peopled landscape. And at the heart, I suppose, of what we've tried to do through these podcasts is explore the magic of the Lake District and the county and the wider landscapes here. And that's what we're going to try and dig deeper into today, Mark. That question, what is it that makes the Lake District so magic? In our quest to discover what makes the Lake District so magic today, Mark, we've got a grand fell walk. Where are we going? Oh, Helm Crag. And if anybody wants to know, it means the helmet-shaped hill. It's Old English. A family-friendly fell that is cast its spell over the generations and we have four guests today mark i don't think we've ever done this many before we've collected friends from near and far to walk with us we have with us 90 year old gordon bamborough 
We have Bill Burkett, who lives in Grasmere, and husband and wife, Harriet and Rob Fraser. Yes, our selection of guests represent people who have different relationships with the landscape. But we've also pulled in a selection of guests from previous shows and friends of the podcast and a few other people to talk about what makes the Lake District magic for them as well. Uh, And we've asked them to pick a piece of poetry or prose that sums up what these landscapes mean to them. So we'll throw in some of those recordings as well as we make our way up the fell. I can see Gordon, Bill, Harriet and Rob over there in the car park at Langcrig. So let's make our first steps on our 100th birthday country stride. I'm in the shelter of some very grand beech trees in a car park area in the Lankrig estate up from the village of Grasmere. It's a car park area used by people to access Easdale Tarn and, of course, to climb Helm Crag, which is our objective for today, which is uh, very exciting on a glorious day. Blue sky, the weather is celebrating our 100th anniversary, as well as a group of people. And in my company is Gordon Bambra. Gordon, you're from where, Gordon? Sunderland. You're a Mackham. <laughs> yeah, I am, yes. <laughs> Do you live locally now? Yes, I've lived in the, the lakes for 36 years now. And you're now living in, was it Colbeck now? In Colbeck. Is it a lovely place to live? It's wonderful, yeah. Of course, Gordon, the key thing about your presence in this company is that you're celebrating a special event too? Well, I was 90 back in January and uh, I decided I would like to do Scarfield Pike again. Right. So yes. my daughter and I did it together. Well, we'll discuss that further. It's a really lovely story. And we move on to our next guest, Bill Burkitt, a well-known climber, photographer, and the man behind the Burkitts. Hello, Bill. Good to see you. Hi, Mark. Good to see you again, yeah. Yeah, we've been out with you on Country Stride before, a memorable visit to Little Langdale and your connection with that setting. Yeah, well, my dad was a, a quarryman at Moss Red Quarry, which is uh, just along the road from Little Langdale towards Tilbethwaite, and he was a climber and uh, a naturalist, and uh, that's how it all started for me, really. Absolutely, and your family is renowned for their connection with rock. <laughs> yes, I guess so, yeah. used to say my dad was rock in his blood, yeah. And, of course, now you've moved to Grasmere. Yes, indeed, yeah, it's a lovely place. Kind of busy now, but um, you soon leave people behind and uh, up on Helmcrag, yeah, it's great. Well, my next guest is Harriet Fraser, and it's gorgeous to share this moment with you, Harriet. What's your background? Um, I live over near Kendall. I'm a writer and a poet, and I work with Rob Fraser, who you're going to talk to in a minute, in uh, in an arts practice that's focused on the environment and better understanding that and celebrating it. 
Fabulous, fabulous. And an intro to Rob. Lovely to see you, Rob. As Harriet said, we live in Kendall now, but we still come out and, and access the fells as much as possible. I'm a photographer, an environmental artist, and we love celebrating this place, but also looking at the challenges of this place. It's, it's a microcosm of the wider world, I think. Beautiful, but yet has issues. This is the underlying feature that we're going to explore a little bit today about what makes the place special. In the context of today's walk, Helm Crag is a great focus, Harriet. Has it a place in your heart? Oh, definitely. And I think there's, there's two main reasons. It was the first fell that I walked up with my son when he was seven. And I have really vivid memories of him eating his packet of crisps up there and just being really chuffed that he'd got up there so high. Um, and then more recently, um, in work that I've done with Rob on a project, The Long View, we spent a long time with a single sycamore that's on the flanks of Helm Crag. So we have gone up it and around it and spent a lot of time on it again and again and again over the past decade. You've loved the tree as much as the mountain itself mm-hmm. and the setting. Yeah, aside from the tree, it's probably the most climbed, walked uphill that I've done in the Lake District over all the years I've been here, even before I moved up here on holiday. Uh, we used to come and Helm Crag was always the thing to start and end the week. So I've probably been up here 30, 40 times over the last sort of 30 years. I love it. It's a really easy one, but the rewards are immense when you get on the top. The mere name Crag suggests Bill Burkett. Bill, has Helm Crag some special affection for you? It's very aesthetic, isn't it? I think uh, when you think of Grasmere, you always think of Helm Crag, so it's so prominent. But um, I suppose from a climbing point of view, in my book, Complete Lakeland Fells, there are only two tops that you have to actually climb to get to the summit, and Helm Crag is one of them. Um, so unless you do the, the howitzer, if you want to call it, or the second line on Lamb, because there are two, then um, unless you climb up there, you can't give it a tick in the Burkitts. <laughs> There's still a little corner of Wainwright's page which remains dormant for the announcement of him climbing it, so he's not in your number. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's a bit of a scramble. (laughs) Well, we'll observe that when we get there. Gordon, has uh, Helmcrag a special place in your heart? I've only done it once, and it must be 20 years ago, so I don't remember a lot about it. I was interested in going up to see if it looked like the lion and the lamb when you got close to it, and it doesn't. <laughs> the mountain carries our feet ever upwards. We've got to get going. Well, we've emerged along the track with an open view up the fell to a crag. On the Ordnance Survey map, it's called Jackdaw Crag. And we've got a nice path steeply zigzagging up, and there's walkers ahead of us, and uh, where we can hear the chirping of the jackdaws and so forth. And it's a lovely moment to reflect on when was that magical moment? The penny dropped, and we thought, Lakeland belongs to me. Can we rewind in time? And Rob, can you remember your first experiences in this environment? Yeah, I came here, I suppose, in the early 90s on holiday with a group of friends at that time uh, and fell in love with it pretty much straight away. Holiday in Grasmere, funny enough. So we used to come and stay in cottages quite a lot. Um, Skip forward about 13 years. I'd just spent a year away travelling and I had to make a decision about where I wanted to 
put roots down effectively and I thought of no better place than the Lake District. So back in 2003, so 20 years ago now, I came and lived in Windermere, then in Ambleside and now just on the outskirts in Kendall. So I love this place. There was not one moment, it just kind of crept up on me quickly, I suppose. I was overwhelmed by the beauty of this place, but it was only a superficial kind of loving at that time. I didn't really know what made the place tick. I just knew that I loved the landscape. And it's from there on that I've just grown more to love it more and more. Harriet, what's your story? Well, my dad is a passionate hill walker and he first brought me here, I think, in 1985, 1986 and uh, took me up Coniston, Old Man, Skidder and Bowfell all in rain. <laughs> and I was like very sore, but something stuck. And then I came back <laughs> with friends to camp when I was about 18 um, and I used to work for a guidebook company called The Rough Guides and I was doing some research for The Rough Guide to England and I got snowed in in a little cottage on the edge of Ullswater and I thought, God, you know what, I could live here. Two weeks later I'd moved up from Manchester, thought I'll just settle here and um, when I went away then, travel writing in different countries, I missed home and it was the first time that I ever felt that I was home and I haven't left. Was it an actual pinpointable moment? I think the pinpointable moment would be in 1995, which was a year that had lots and lots of snow and then a very, very dry summer. And um, I used to live in a flat on a farm that ran out of water. And so we had to go and swim in the waterfalls to stay clean. I think that was it. I was, I was hooked. We'll turn now to Gordon. Uh, was there a moment, maybe in your youth, when the Lake District gelled as somewhere special? The first time I realised there was a Blake district was looking at the school atlas, uh-huh. looking to see where Sunderland was, and that there was this Lake district with mountains not that far away. No, I was only about 10 year old. I was still in primary school. <laughs> but I didn't get here until I was 16 and I cycled. And we just came for the weekend and stayed in Penrith. But I thought then, this place is something special, you know. So after that, we used to come on the bikes, youth hustling, for weekends. So the actual move here, can you pinpoint that time? It was a coincidence. We were quite happy in Kenilworth in Warwickshire. And uh, we were up on holiday and we saw this old vicarage for sale. And I thought we could just about afford that. But the bank allowed us to double our mortgage and buy this... um, so for a year, I commuted down to Warwickshire on a Monday morning, came back on a Friday, and we did B&B and supply teaching. So it, it all worked out very well. Those were the days when you could get a bank to do things like that, but it was marvellous that they did it for you. Turning to you, Bill, this is somewhat different because you were born and bred here, so you knew this to be special to yourself because it was home. I was a local, but I was an auditor because, to me, it was just fabulous from whenever I can remember, you know. That love was always there, and I was always so passionate about uh, not just nature uh, and the fells, but climbing and all the rest of it. And it was always there. There was no particular moment that, uh, you know, the penny dropped. You've done a lot of climbing abroad, but when you come back, what's the sensation for you? Yes, I've been to many fantastic, beautiful areas. Um, I went to Lofoten Islands uh, last summer, and uh, that was that was tremendous. For me, you know, the special thing, I suppose, is the Lake District is my home. 
That's given us a sense of everybody's connection. Now we've got to connect with the mountain itself, Helmcrag. But we're going to take an opportunity now to listen to one or two of our listeners' expressions of the magic of the Lake District. My name's Nick Barnes. I'm a BBC broadcaster working now in Newcastle, but I lived in Cumbria for 25 years and worked at Radio Cumbria for 10 years. For me, the beauty of Cumbria and Lakeland is all encapsulated in its art and literature. I just fell in love with the paintings of Percy Kelly, of Sheila Fell, of the Heaton Coopers, and even going beyond that into the, some may say, prosaic work of Alfred Wainwright. The piece of literature I've chosen is a poem by Norman Nicholson. Norman Nicholson, for me, he almost verbalises what Percy Kelly puts on the paper in paint. And I've picked a poem called Wall. It's simple, but dry stone walls in Cumbria are part of the fabric of the landscape. Wall. The wall walks the fell, grey millipede on slow stone hooves. It's slack back hollowed at gullies and grooves, or shouldering over old boulders, too big to be rolled away. Fallen fragments of the high crags crawl in the walk of the wall. Hi, my name's Vivian Crow, and I'm an outdoor writer and photographer, and I live in Carlisle. For me, the magic of the Lake District is the fells. It's about walking on the fells and everything that that entails. The piece of writing I've chosen is from Sarah Hall's novel, The Kahalan Army. It explains what it is that I love about the fells. It explains my personal relationship with walking on the fells. Now, once again, I was in that landscape where human beings had always journeyed to feel less and more significant than they were, where the mountains stupefied and emboldened them, bringing them high and to the edge of what they thought themselves capable. As I stood and looked in the direction of the summits, I felt properly dressed in my own muscles, and ballasted by my sense of physicality, as if I belonged outside. Hi, I'm Jamie Normington. I'm the Learning Manager at Cumbria Wildlife Trust, and I organised the Last Words for Cumbria campaign. The magic of Cumbria for me is that, having grown up in Bronte country, in a beautiful part of the world, I found there were other places worth exploring and places that might be better, more interesting, deeper, more varied. And that's what I think Cumbria is, that it's a place where there's so much to be discovered. And that's not necessarily the checklists and the tick lists of mountains climbed or miles walked. But whatever you're interested in, you're likely to find it here. So the words I've chosen are from Chapter 7 of The Living Mountain by Nan Shepherd. Chapter 7's titled Life, The Plants. And I've picked it for uh, a single line within this section that leaps out of this book at me. I like the unpath best, one of my small friends said, when her father had called her to heal. And it's that sense of unpath, that sense of walk at your own pace, walk in your own way, walk with love and care and time and patience. Marvellous. Hello, I'm Mark Cockburn. I'm a farmer and I live near Keswick. For me, the magic of the Lake District is, I think, the light. Uh, the light and the clouds, the way they play around the fell tops, different every time you look at them, different with every season, never fails to fascinate me. The piece I've chosen is by a local Keswick man written about 130 years ago. 
His name was Christopher Murray Bowsteed and he worked as a roadman and wrote verses and rhymes in his spare time. One I've selected is called Quietude and it's about a Sunday spent rowing on Derwent Water. Quietude On a beautiful lake, far away from its shores, all abounding in woods with fair streamlets among, all is still as the tomb, save the sound of the oars, as the boatmen pull gently the surface along. Released for a time from the labourer's toil, and away from the busy world's tattle and din, here with nature and beauty to linger a while on this bright Sabbath day, it can hardly be sin. Oh, how sweet thy surroundings, enchanting to see, thou beloved doant water, whose waves are at rest. Nay, a foretaste it is, as we glide over thee, of that beautiful, prophesied land of the blessed. My name's Carol Rennie and I run the Keswick Alhambra Cinema. For me, the magic of the lakes is the lakes. Since the pandemic, me and a gang of other school mums have been dipping in Derwater and in Bassenthwaite. And it doesn't matter what the weather is, come rain, come shine, come snow, come sleet, you can still dip in the lake. And we love it. The piece of writing I have chosen is Today's Forecast by Brian Bilston. To me, it sounds like the shipping forecast, and I love Radio 4's shipping forecast. And it talks about the rain, which is, of course, a very predominant feature of living in the lakes. Today's Forecast After a wet start, rain will give way to intermittent showers, interspersed with outbreaks of rain. As the day progresses... Rain clouds will blow in from the west, bringing with them the chance of rain-based precipitation. Until the early evening, when the weather will finally settle down and it will rain constantly. Tomorrow's outlook? Rain, with occasional intervals of rain. Coming up by the fence, we've come to a sheltered spot and uh, we're by the quarry, part of Jackdaw Crag. Uh, it's a very distinctive quarry. Is it evidenced in the area? Can you describe the stone, Bill? Yeah, well, it's a special kind of slate here because it's iron-stained and it's, uh, I don't know if pink's the right word, but a kind of dark pink, crimson kind of coloured. And uh, we started from Sam Reed's bookshop earlier on. If you look at the bookshop there, it's all stone-faced. That's built out of this stone and it's kind of unique to this area. What a grasmere, this lovely colour of uh, red in the stone. And there's a little uh, roofless nook here, a little stone-built shelter here, uh, beside the path. Uh, is this bill where they would have had their scran? It looks like a marathon, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you don't call it scran, do you? No, we call it bait. Yes. Yeah. There's a, another term for the container that they have the bait in. Well, the miners, yeah, they call it, well, we still call it, some people from the northeast still call it snap, and that's because the miners used to have their bait their sandwiches in tins with a snap lid and so he said when it's time for snap they use open the tins up and uh, have the sandwiches Brilliant. well we'll snap on with our walk now <laughs> snap to it mark
Well, look, we've come up a nice steady series of steps and intermediate shoulders, which have zigzagged us up to a point where we've got a proper view right round towards Easdale Tarn and Far Easdale. Sour milk gill there. Hasn't had a lot of rain recently, so it's not looking really fuming and sour milky, as it were. Uh, but there are people perched uh, having their bait here, so this is a popular spot to rest before we reach the summit. My attention goes to the darkest crag looking up Far Easdale. Now, Bill, tell me what that crag is and have you got any personal connections with it? Well, it's called Do Bill Crag and um, it was first developed oh, probably in the 30s. But in the 50s, there's a chap from Yorkshire called Arthur Dolphin and he did one of the first extreme climbs in the lakes up there, and it was called Deerbill Butterus. Where the climb went, went up a big pillar, which was actually the main part of the crag, but it was detached from the, the crag at the back. And a number of years ago, a long time ago now, the whole lot collapsed, so that route is no more. But when I was a young climber, 16 I think I was, it was my first extreme climb in the lakes, so it was like a big challenge really, sleepless nights and all that kind of thing. But when I actually climbed it, it was I found it uh, straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got in my midst four people who have a distinct feel for the landscape and they express in their own way, words, pictures, crags, you name it. Each one of you four people have a relationship with this landscape. Now, Harriet, you're the prime candidate as the first representative of uh, explaining how you interact with the landscape and how words work for you. That's quite a big question. It is, rather. Especially <laughs> William Wordsworth and Dorothy down the hill. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a writer and my way of encountering the landscape as well as reflecting on it is to write. It's my tool. I suppose it's like a, a rope for a climber. I use words. That's how I interact with the landscape. And um, I've come to write quite a few poems. Um, and there's a long, a long, long lineage. You know, you mentioned the Wordsworths and uh, Dorothy Wordsworth is particularly known for doing things slowly, noticing the really small details, celebrating the mosses, the flowers, just ordinary lives. And it's not always about the grandeur. And it's the same with kind of my walking. It's not always about the summit. It's about the small things along the way. Yeah, the lineage continues. People always talk about Wordsworth, Coleridge, Beatrix Potter, that lot. But, you know, we've got loads of people today. There's Sarah Hall, Kim Moore... There's people just out there writing some fantastic stuff. Katie Hale, and I'm really lucky to be part of that community in Cumbria. I think the creative response to landscape, or for me, to stop and to write, is part of feeling connected to it. And you asked about that moment of falling in love with the place I would have been writing at the time. Is there a similar connection with your photography, Rob? Absolutely. I mean, you can't take a picture of a place without being in that place so Harriet and I over the years have put ourselves in all seasons all weathers night or day to actually capture the essence or try to capture the essence of this place through a series of images it's all about frame you know what you choose to include within that space within that box and then just pressing a button and then letting the, the magic do itself really Funnily enough, I don't think I'm alone amongst photographers. I don't like it when it's blue skies and puffy white clouds. You know, that's not the magic for me. The magic comes in those dramatic lights we're so often blessed with in the Lake District. It may take a while getting it. You know, you may have to hang around a bit longer. But usually by going out in those hard days, you're rewarded by the Lake District offering something to yourself. Even just a glimpse, even for a moment of time. And sometimes that makes it feel all worthwhile to come away with one shot that you're happy with. But you've got to be there. 
Well, we'll turn now to Bill, the cragsman in our midst. You play with rock and the relationship you have. Can you express it? Climbing to me is quite a number of different things. And um, as you go through life, there are different kind of importances attached to those things. When I was younger and um, very keen, very ambitious, climbing was, was absolutely everything. To be the best, try and be the best to try and do the hardest routes. That was the important thing. Um, but the other dimension is the camaraderie, the friendships. The importance of those things changes all the time. So now I'll go out climbing with friends, out in the hills with friends. You know, that's really important to have a laugh and a joke. That's much more important than, than what we're doing or what we're climbing. And also there's always been nature, you know, and I'm absolutely taken with this beautiful landscape. And I express that in my books and my photography. In the Grassmere yearbook, you know, which photographs this this crag and all the rest of it. So that's another aspect. So it's, there's no easy answer. For me, it's an intermingle of different things, not just the physical act of climbing. That's only a, a tiny part of my experience. Well, we've had the cragsmen, and like Dave and myself, we've got walkers in our midst, and Gordon, you are the representative in the quartet. Um, what does walking mean to you? Well, it's just something you feel so free. And, uh, you know, you forget about any worries that you had. Now, with your daughter, Gordon, you climbed Scorfell Pike. It was on your birthday, basically. Was it actually on your birthday? Yes. I was uh, a bit worried, firstly about the weather, and then another thing, now and again I get problems with a hernia. <laughs> and I thought, if that happens, I won't manage it. But thankfully, it turned out a glorious day and the hernia kept quiet, you know. So it was just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other for about three hours until <laughs> 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 we got up. We saw one or two people coming down and Joanne sometimes mentioned that it was my 90th birthday. So they were quite impressed, oh, which gave us a bit of a lift. <laughs> was there a celebration at the end of the walk? It was, but it wasn't as big as I hoped. I, I imagined drinking about three pints. I just managed to drink a half, and I still had no appetite. <laughs> now, Harriet, you've spoken about the outdoors as a thinking place. Could you express that? Yeah, I think um, Gordon was just saying when you go for a walk, you know, everything falls away and your worries fall away. Um, I find that walking just helps to, yeah, let excess brain clutter fall away. And in terms of it being a thinking space, some people think I'm a little bit strange when I say this, but I think you can think through your feet and through your body and that sense of touching rock or or sitting on rock, or having the wind in your face, that all helps you think about things differently and having these big open spaces. Yeah, Dorothy Wordsworth was famous for her walking, wasn't she? Uh, and she was a great wordsmith, but she built it into her writing. And there's some other famous writers, Harriet Martineau. It was all about gestating the ideas that became the words that expressed their innermost feelings. Yeah, I sometimes feel I come outside and I'll find a poem. They don't really grow inside walls for me. <laughs> My name is Jamie Barnes and I am a, a freelance curator and a printmaker from Kendall. For me, the magic of the Lake District is the stories. Like many people, what brought me to the Lake District originally was the outdoors. So I was a very keen scout and adventure scout in Kendall. And we used to come from Kendall to the Lake District every week to engage in exciting outdoor activities. 
But as I got a bit older and I got into art history and other things, it was actually the culture that kept bringing me back and still brings me back every week to work in the lakes. Writing, literature, arts, poems. I mean, it's just endless and it goes over hundreds of years. And the fact that the museums around here preserve so much of it to, for us all to enjoy. The piece of writing I have chosen is from A Walk Around the Lakes by Hunter Davis. I've always thought of him as a very good communicator of his interest in the lakes. In his Guide to the Lakes, he writes about these layers of stuff that are here for us to enjoy. The variety is extraordinary. In one small plot, you have everything of England. Lush pastures, twee cottages, stately castles, romantic valleys, lakeside resorts, hidden tarns, smooth hills, wild fells, sudden waterfalls, open heather, rough moorland, frightening crags, dramatic snow-clad mountain tops. It's nature's miniature kingdom. Hi, my name is Charlotte Ditchburn. I've lived in the lakes most of my life and it's really helped me through some mental struggles and drawn me back to my roots through the lakes. For me, the magic of the Lake District is the deep connection that draws you in, whether you're born here or that you discover from visiting. I love the way you can walk along a route and feel the connection not only to nature and these stunning landscapes, but also a connection to those who've walked these paths before you with their pack horses over the fells. The piece of writing I've chosen is The English Country Lane by Chris Plows, and I'm going to share the first and last verse with you as it resonates about the routes that we've walked and how they connect us to nature. There is no path I'd rather roam than these narrow lanes about my home, to leave my troubles far behind as I follow its track to places kind, past English oak, through pastures new, wherever you lead, I shall follow you, for you are my England, you are my home, and along your country lanes, my soul shall forever roam. My name's Steve Wharton, I'm a storyteller, a songwriter, and a teacher, originally from Ulverston, I've lived all around the lakes, and I now live in West Cumbria. For me, the magic of Cumbria and the Lake District is its people. They're the ones that keep the stories going around and passing them on from generation to generation and also finding so many different ways to interact with the environment and bringing the place to life. The piece of writing I've chosen is a song by Mike Willoughby and it's the lyrics to his song Native Stones that appeared on his album Crimson Trophies. Um, the song is about coming back to the landscape and, and being able to find solace in it, but not just the landscape, the people that you share it with. Take me up along the roads, carry me north to native stones, ever returning up the hill again. We are the blood, you are the bone. We are the blood, you are the bone. Raise a glass, our friendship now remembered, I feel quite dismembered, half the man you used to know. So spin the tales of days we spent together, on the rock and on the heather, for it's there I need to go. So take me up along the roads, carry me north to native stones, ever returning up the hill again, we are the blood, you are the bone. We are the blood. You are the bone. 
Hello, my name's Amy Bateman. I'm a photographer, mother and farmer. I live on our family farm just outside Kendall and I'm author of the book 40 Farms. For me, the magic of the Lake District is watching the hills rise majestically as you drive along the A66. First of all, Blencathra, and then as you head into the heart of the Lake District. This comes from memories of a child as we would head towards Keswick Youth Hostel or with the scouts where we would stay at Bark Mountain Hut next to Ashness Bridge. I still get that rising feeling in my chest, even though I live and work here now as I head into the Central Lakes. I'm Alan Cleaver. I'm co-author of Corpse Roads of Cumbria. And to me, the magic of the Lake District are the stories and tales that I hear as I walk around. The tales of boggles and dobbies and fairies and other creatures that haunt the landscape and walk around the landscape. The piece of writing that I've picked is Billy Watson's Lonning, a dialect poem written in the 19th century by Alexander Craig Gibson about a lonning, a footpath that still exists at High Harrington. And this is just the first verse. Oh, for Billy Watson lonning of a lone summer night, when stars come few and flatly after wearing out daylight. When black-eyed blossom shows itself in half-seen glyphs of grey, and honeysuckle-scented mare, nor ever it is in day, and not a shadow, shap or sound, or sight or sign it tells, at out at's wick come sauntering there, but you, your own two cells. There cannot be another spot so private and so sweet as Billy Watson lonning of a lonesomer night. Hi, I'm Simon Dunant. I'm a self-employed learning developer and I'm based in Cockermouth. For me, the magic of the Lake District is space and freedom. This magical place, Cumbria, the Lake District, whichever part of it that you end up visiting or living in, is a wonderful place to really feel connected with nature, with everything around you. It's just very much a place that you feel at home both physically and spiritually. The piece of writing I've chosen is Hugh Walpole's words from his essay in The English Country. These are the most moving words for me because I too, like Walpole, after a life of moving around, have finally found a home here in the lakes and an acre of soil that is friendly and sib to me. When I stand on Esk Hawes and look down into Eskdale, I make my proper obeisance to the Collingwoods, the Calverts, the Cassons, and the great company of ghosts behind them from the author of Old Bob to Wordsworth. But I know something that they none of them can ever have known. How it feels to discover by a miracle that you are not homeless and wanderless as you had once supposed, but that on this spot your feet touch the ground and the ground does not reject you, and, until you die... There is an acre of soil that is friendly and sib to you. Well, it's a great moment. We've all arrived at the summit and everybody be saying, all of you on the top. Well, actually, we're underneath the top. <laughs> I don't think we need to worry about that on a day like today. Now, Bill, this is a, a very distinctive summit in this area. Uh, it's got various names. Can you describe the various names and what they uh, mean? Wainwright called it the Howitzer, 
and that it does look like howitzer. This is the big gun. A big gun, yeah. To me, it's the summit of Helm Crag. You know, and uh, you've got to scramble to get to the top. Quite easy rock climb, but it's it's more than a walk. It's quite a difficult scramble. This formation is the second lion and the lamb. The southerly two points back there, that's the line on land when you view it from the Swan Hotel in Grasmere, or outside Grasmere. And as you come up the pass, Dunmill Rays, then this, this becomes a line on the land. And then, from the top of Dunmill Rays, and near the top, it comes the old woman playing the organ. So it's uh, a different guise. Yeah. <laughs> Even Queen Victoria makes a mention. Well, it does. In, in some lights, and with a bit of imagination, she looks like Queen Victoria with a bit of a bun on the on her head. That hails from the days when <laughs> tourism was young. Ah, uh, yeah, possibly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a magnificent viewpoint. And normally, uh, Dave would ask me, oh, Mark, can you describe the view? But actually, Dave would be not asking me on this occasion. He'd say, pass that over to the Sage of the Lakes. And Bill, <laughs> I wonder if you could give our listeners a bit of a feel for what we're looking at. Well, it is a very widespread view, isn't it, for um, such a lowly fell, really. But over the southwest, we're looking at the Conison Fells, Weatherlam and uh, Greenburn Horseshoe, Greyfriar. And we can just see the top of uh, the Crinkles over there, I think, can't we? And then uh, Harrison Stickle, Pavey Ark. And as you come round, you've got Far Easdale, Calf Crab, Gibson Knot. And then uh, this is uh, Greenburn down here, an interesting little valley. And that still fell. One of the great walks, little walks of the lakes, is from here over this ridge between Greenburn and Far Easdale, round and then come down over Steel Fell, down that shoulder there, which is Cotter Breast. And then you're down to uh, Dunmill Rays. And then you've got Seat Sandal rising up and Helvell and Massif on your left and, uh, and Fairfield on your right. So it's, it's pretty stunning, really. My keen eyes also ah, yes. picks out what is the other one. That's Blencathra through there. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well yeah. spotted, yeah. <laughs> now, we've posed ourselves this thought... What is the magic of the Lake District, personally? So, Bill, what is it to you? So many things. Um, I think I've said, you know, it's it's my home, or I regard it as my home, so wherever I go in the world, I always want to come back here. Uh, I think for me and uh, my photography, it's about changing light, changing seasons. I mean, there are no two days the same in the Lake District. In fact, there's no two hours the same. It's just, it changes the whole time, and that, that's a real magic thing of this place. Now, Harriet, pass you on to this notion. What is the magic? Gosh, and you've asked about that personally, and I think everything that Bill said, I would say exactly the same. It changes. It's never the same experience twice to be out here in the hills Camping out has been a big thing for me over the years and watching the moon rise, being under the stars, watching the sunrise um, and being out in a high place, for me, that is a magical time. And there's something else that is a bit more contemporary, which is, you know, you talk about what is the magic of the place as if what is it that we love about it that makes our hearts sing. But there's something else about this place that so many people care about it and that's part of its magic, that so many people have worked here looked after it, continue to look after it and there's constantly magic happening with people who are doing really good things for this place to help keep communities thriving and, and help the diversity and ecosystems improve because they're in a bit of a bad state generally. So um, it's really nice to see the exciting, good, positive stuff happening. And this is the seat of original Defence of the Landscape. Thirlmere, over the gap there, was the first Defence of the Landscape in Britain. This place means a lot and has done for generations. 
20 million people, give or take, come here every year for something. This place must give something to so many people. And for me, it's the it's where we are now. You know, you, you can think about it indoors and you probably get a different answer. But when you're actually out in the space like this to feel the weather, to see these views, to understand what's going on in a landscape like this and, and know your place in all of this place. I think that just helps make it really special to understand that you're just a tiny little dot in this big landscape and it, it, it does keep giving. It's wonderful. It's got its own wild. People think it's a wild landscape, but it's quite a well-managed landscape, but it's still got a wildness to it. And I think a lot of people love to tap into that feeling of that experience of being out being alive it makes you feel alive being out you really feel the magic when it gets really hard as a walker or a camper when you're really really cold or I suppose it's the same for climbing when you just really got a challenge and you have to dig deep and uh, that's magic I think it's the best place in the world I think once I'd walked here and then I thought we'd try other places like Scotland Wales we even went to Nepal and uh, in South America. But they were all a bit disappointing. When I came back, this was still the best. I don't know whether it's just because it's, it's just a nice, nice size. It's only about 30 mile by 30 mile, I think. But in that area, it's absolutely wonderful. Actually, Gold, you hit uh, the nail on the head there about the scale of, and the size of the Lake District. It's not big. It is big and it isn't big. Imagine if you stretched it out, ironed it all out. That would be quite big. But you can stand on top of a summit and if you've been lucky enough to walk in lots of different places, you can imagine yourself on all the other summits around you. And yet on any walk, you can do a walk 10 times, 20 times and you'll find a different rock or a different crag or a different way the light's behaving. And I would never get to know the whole place. I don't think so. It'd take a few lifetimes. I suppose it is quite small in scale, but it's it's about proportion, really. It's just everything is right, isn't it? You know, you've got the fields, the stone houses, the tarns, the lakes and the fells, and somehow it, they fit perfectly. That's a wonderful thing to me about it. It feels paradoxically big and small at the same time. You can stand on the top of Helvellyn, which we're looking across at now, and see pretty much all the edges uh, you can see Scotland to the north, you can see Morecambe Bay to the south, you can see the far mountains away to the west, and, and you know you can see it disappearing to the east towards the Pennines as well, so it's all there. But then to actually get out into that space, you realise there's an awful lot of up and downs, there's an awful lot of valleys between you and the edges. It might be small, but it's big if you get lost. <laughs> <laughs> can I pick up on something with it? Gordon, I think talking about this, comparing it to Nepal, I've never heard Nepal called disappointing before. So, you know, that's quite, you could almost put that in the poster for the Lake District. Uh, I went to Nepal, it was disappointing. Come to the Lake District. It's all here, folks. You've got it in a nutshell. We are so proud of the Lake District. I'm Jack, um, I'm a conservationist, um, and I'm from Workington, or Wookington. However you want to say it, it varies, <laughs> depending where you're at in Cumbria. The magic of the Lake District or Cumbria, um, for me, is sort of my sense of place within it, between the sea and mountains. I'm not quite from the Lake District, I'm sort of in that no man's land between Cumbria and the lake, so it's sort of my sense of place within that. The piece of writing I've chosen, it's a bit of poetry by Lord Alfred Tennyson. The Eagle. He clasps the crag with crooked hands. 
Close to the sun in lonely lands, ringed with the azure world, he stands. The wrinkled sea beneath him crawls. He watches from his mountain walls, and like a thunderbolt, he falls. The reason I picked this piece is because it sort of resonates with that sense of place I was talking about. So when it describes the lonely lands, it sort of reminds me of being from West Cumbria, feeling like you're on the edge of England. And you add to that the first part of the line, close to the sun in lonely lands. That sort of describes for me watching the sunset over the Solway Firth, which is quite a distinctive memory for me as a, as a kid. I'm Julie Carter and I'm the author of uh, Running the Red Line, a book about the fells and my emotional journey as a fell runner. I'm also a poet, filmmaker and theatre maker and I live near Keswick. For me, the magic of the Lake District is simply that this place saved my life. As a child, I experienced a lot of abuse and trauma, but when I was 13, I came for a week's residential with school to Derwent Hill Outdoor Centre near Keswick. And in a way, the Fells became like a kind of surrogate parent to me. And all through subsequent decades, I have felt nurtured by them, especially Skidor who I can see now out of our house. The piece of writing that I have chosen is from The Journey by the poet Mary Oliver because of my personal journey, which the fells have made possible. The Journey But little by little, as you left their voice behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds and there was a new voice which you slowly recognised as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life that you could save. Hello, I'm Penny Bradshaw. I'm an Associate Professor of English Literature at the University of Cumbria, where my main area of research is place writing and especially Cumbrian-inspired literature. For me, the magic of Cumbria and the Lake District is very much connected to childhood memory. My family and I would come to the lakes every summer, and this was a place where I first learned to connect closely with the natural world in both a physical and an imaginative way. I've always felt a strong affinity here with Beatrix Potter, because she also came to love the lakes through childhood holidays. And for us both, this would be a magical period of time when we would escape from the urban, or the suburban in my case, and be able to immerse ourselves physically and imaginatively in these landscapes. I'd climb mountains with my dad, paddle in the tarns, row on the lakes, have picnics, and I really began to look closely at things like flowers, rocks and trees. The passage I've chosen is by Beatrix Potter. It's from a little-known essay called The Lonely Hills, which was written towards the end of her life. It was published in an American magazine in May 1942, and in it she reflects on the importance of the natural world in her own life. In the calm, specious days that seemed so long ago, I loved to wander on the Troutbeck Fell. Sometimes I had with me an old sheepdog, nip or fly. More often I went alone but never lonely. There was the company of gentle sheep and wildflowers and singing waters. I listened to the voices of the little folk. And I really love the idea here that in this landscape, you never feel truly alone, that the natural world itself provides company 
and solace. My name's uh, Paul Flint. Uh, I live in Windermere. I'm a retired naval officer and school bursar and currently a trustee of the Arthur Ransom Trust. For me, the magic of the Lake District goes back to my childhood. I was born in London, but my parents were from Penrith. And so childhood adventures all centred around exploring bits of the Lake District as a young child and uh, just enjoying the timeless environment that seems to embody the Lake District. The piece of writing I've chosen is the author's note in Swallows and Amazons by Arthur Ransom. And the reason I've chosen that is that it's another example of someone going back to his roots and how he, as someone who lived in Leeds as a young boy, also enjoyed coming to the Lake District and experiencing a Lake District that's very different to the one that we know now in terms of the activities that took place there and uh, the pace of life within the environment. Havathwaite, May 19th, 1958. I have been often asked how I came to write Swallows and Amazons. The answer is that it had its beginning long, long ago, when, as children, my brother, my sisters and I spent most of our holidays on a farm at the south end of Coniston. We adored the place. Coming to it, we used to run down to the lake, dip our hands in and wish as if we had seen the new moon. Going away from it, we were half drowned in tears. While away from it, as children and as grown-ups, we dreamt about it. No matter where I was, wandering about the world, I used at night to look for the North Star, and in my mind's eye could see the beloved skyline of great hills beneath it. Swallows and Amazons grew out of those old memories. I could not help writing it. It almost wrote itself. My name's Karen Lloyd. I live in Cumbria and I'm a writer whose work centres on landscape, nature and the environment. The magic of the Lake District for me is its literature. I've become fascinated with the question that William Wordsworth directs at a leech gatherer he meets at an upland tarn, documented in the poem Resolution and Independence. Upon meeting the elderly gentleman, Wordsworth asks, how is it that you live and what is it you do? This question has become something of a mantra for me as I think about and react to what's happening in the world around me, as well as in my own locale of the Lake District. I'm keenly aware of how much the lakes has changed since Wordsworth strode the hills here, not necessarily for the better, but I'm also very interested in, heartened even, by the scale of change taking place to restore nature and habitats here. We may never solve the conundrum of what exactly a cultural landscape should be, but it's clear to me that there is no culture without wildlife. And so seeing individual farms and the larger estates taking on the challenge of changing the way they manage the land under the necessity to restore nature is not only exciting, but points towards a future that is ultimately healthier for all of us. This is one of the themes I explore in my book, Abundance, Nature in Recovery. The piece of literature I've chosen is a poem by Norman Nicholson called To the River Duddon. And in the poem, he not only traces the river from its source to the sea, but he also talks to the river as if it's a person. He starts out by asking the river if it remembers an old man with a nose like a pony's. 
it's Wordsworth he's referring to, striding the hills. And then he takes us on this journey down the river. And there's a little section here, which is just an extract. And he's talking about coming down hard knot into the top of the Duddon. Past Cockleybeck Farm and on to Burke's Bridge, where the rocks stride about like legs in armour and the steel birches buckle and bounce in the wind with a crinkle of silver foil in the crisp of the leaves. My name is Richard Harris. I'm a former journalist, now retired, and now a small-time author. For me, the magic of the Lake District is as a place where I can find solitude. I think we all need to get away from the world sometimes, and from the people in it. And I enjoy going to some of the less popular spots of the Lake District and simply basking in the beauty, the peace and the solitude of just having the place all to myself. My name's Leslie Park. I live in Whitehaven. I work as an archives assistant and I'm co-author with Alan Cleaver of The Corpse Roads of Cumbria and Get Lost. For me... The magic of the Lake District is being able to go out there and find those paths less well-trodden, those secret little places that the tourists around you in the next village uh, are milling around, but just a few hundred yards away, an isolated footpath or an isolated little grove or tree or something like that, somewhere where you can go and you can breathe. Now, I found something I I just want to read out to you from a book I'm reading at the moment by a politician. It's The Political Diary of Chris Mullin, written in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, when he was a member of uh, the government of of Tony Blair. He was a junior minister. This entry, it just hit me, and I was able to breathe. Thursday, 11th of January, 2001. Today I am Minister of the Lake District. What better job has politics to offer? The sun is bright, the sky is blue, there is snow on the tops. Just the day for a stroll in the hills. Being Under Secretary of Nothing in Particular is not so terrible after all. My name's Greville Lindop. I'm a poet, a biographer, and I'm the author of A Literary Guide to the Lake District. For me, the detail and the intricacy of Cumbria is just limitless. Mm. Every valley is different from every other valley, and every part of each valley is different. There's an intricacy and a richness to the landscape, and above all, there is this incredible light. I don't think there's anywhere else where you get this combination of mountains and fell sites that are just bathed in this incredibly intense light and I think it comes from their being so close to the sea the light reflects off the sea onto the mountains. I've chosen two brief passages about the Lake District and the first one is from a letter by the romantic poet John Keats to his brother Tom written in 1818, when Keats was passing through the Lake District on a walking tour. What astonishes me more than anything is the tone, the colouring, the slate, the stone, the moss, the rockweed, or, if I may so say, the intellect, the countenance of such places. The space, the magnitude of mountains and waterfalls are well imagined before one sees them. 
but this countenance or intellectual tone must surpass every imagination and defy any remembrance. I shall learn poetry here. I love that idea that Keats is going to learn poetry from the Lake District. And secondly, a slightly more jaundiced comment. This is from Arnold Bennett to his fellow novelist Hugh Walpole in 1923, after Walpole moved up to the lakes. Why the lakes, my misguided friend? You will get wet through, and it is a hell of a way from London. We've returned to the quarry corner that we passed early on in the ascent. It's a lovely quiet spot and uh, there's a beech tree with its roots gripping tenaciously to one side of it and Rob and Harriet. We've been talking about the sense of connection with place and you've been involved with an artistic project that relates to a sense of place. We were talking to hundreds of people in fact. Yes, we did a project in 2019 called Sense of Here. It was kind of building on previous projects, really, and we were just trying to get more to the nub about what this place meant to to us, but also to, to many other people. And then looking at the environment more broadly, we put out a series of questions, set this map up, and then had responses from all over the world. About 260 people filled in these questions. Were there any great themes that came out of your findings? I suppose the biggest thing that we could draw from getting all those answers from all those people was that we need to care more for what we've got, not to take it for granted, that there is there is peril out in the landscape. Lots of things are changing really, really quickly. And the danger is that sometimes things can be overloved or ignored or seen as somebody else's problem to sort, whereas we all need to, I think, work collectively together to sort out the problems that there are in, in the environment, the wider environment. And we haven't got time, you know, we haven't got a long time to do it. So now is important. Now is always important. If we couldn't do it 20 years ago, then now is the best time, as they say. So turning to you, Bill, how do we best protect this landscape to preserve its special magic? It's a very fragile environment and um, it's a difficult question to answer simply. In a nutshell, it's about economics. We need a, a very strong uh, properly funded uh, public body. We need a properly funded national park with the right ideals. One thing that strikes me is uh, back in uh, when I was a little lad in, in Langdale, the National Park Authority did a survey um, of, of traffic and back in the 60s they were saying there's too much traffic on the roads. It's nothing to compare with what it is now. The roads are chocker in summer. And uh, nothing's been done about it. There seems to be no survey, nobody seems to be taking any, uh, any notice. So these things need really looking at. It needs properly funding and it needs examining because the lakes is, in the summer months, it's really overrun. And I think there's maybe a case for stopping not local traffic or trade traffic, but tourist traffic around the periphery of the National Park and maybe bussing people in and encouraging more walking um, We'll come to you finally, Harriet. Have you got thoughts on this? It is a a very big question, and it's really useful, I think, to look at the Lake District National Park as an example. And it comes down to economics and people making sensible decisions. At a leadership level, I think that the government is not leading well on this with the introduction of new payment schemes for farmers to ensure that the landscape is not just protected, 
or preserved, but actually enhanced in terms of its environmental qualities. And the money's just not forthcoming. You need a diversity of voices in the conversation and you need action following those conversations. And I think um, there is a lot of good work being done, but we need more of it and uh, proper funding for the national parks and the environment across the UK. We're going to close now, but what I'd like to draw from you, each one of you, is what the Lake District has given you personally. And I'll ask Bill this as an opener. It's given me a great life. Harriet? It nurtures me, makes me feel alive. Rob? Well, work, really, because we we keep looking at this place through lots of different lenses, through creative lenses. We never get to the answer, if you like. There's always these series of questions that come at looking at this beautiful place. Gordon? Yeah, well, it's just a wonderful, wonderful place to live. There's always plenty to do, walking, cycling, trying to paint. (laughs) Just a great life. I'm Amy Bray. I'm 20 years old, a marine biologist and founder of environmental charity Another Way from Matadale. For me, the magic of the Lake District is how the human histories are stitched into the landscape. And every part of the natural world, every part of the landscape is also seeped with human stories as well. And I love looking out the window every day and seeing a different view. It never looks the same. The mountains, the weather, the trees, they're always shifting. Especially close to my heart are the ancient temperate rainforests that the Lake District is home to. I think they're absolutely magical. The poem I have chosen is In Our Hands, written by Harriet Fraser for the Friends of the Lake District's 85th anniversary. It resonates with me because it describes the beauty and the wonder of the natural world in the Lake District, but how that's also interconnected with our own human history and stories. How it's up to us to shape the future of this beautiful national park. In this fragile place, a woodland or a lake knows nothing of uncertainty, of shifting climate or politics or money, nor does it know the certainty of love how the will to protect what matters can outlast a raging storm. This is a place for imagining, for treading softly, for shaping and sharing what happens next. I'm Leslie Williams. The last 25 years I've been uh, the marketing director at Cicerone Press and now happily easing myself fully out of day-to-day activities. For me, the magic of the Lake District is mostly about the weather and the scenery. You can have wonderful, bright, sunny days and they're glorious, but the ones that I particularly remember when I'm out on the fells are the ones which are challenging weather, especially remember a day from Wasdale Head over to Buttermere on my own in a winter storm. It just felt so special to be one of only two people who I saw that day until I got to Buttermere and everybody else was just walking around the lake and I'd had an adventure. Hi, my name's Jonathan Williams and I've, for the last nearly 25 years, been the publisher of Cicerone Press based just outside Kendall. For me, the magic of the Lake District is the whole package. The Herdwicks, the hillside, the changing light, the seasons, the weather. Leslie was talking about the uh, the storm and the rain, and you can think through days in the Lake District where your your mountain skills are what sees you through. So I've gone with a piece that is only partly about the Lake District, 
uh, and is very short indeed, and it's from Swallows and Amazons. The father writes in to say that they can go on the lake, and he writes back in his telegram, Better drown than duffers, if not duffers, won't drown. My name's Polly Atkin, and I'm a poet and non-fiction writer, and I live in Grasmere. For me, the magic of the Lake District is something that can't be distilled down into any one single thing. It's a kind of harmony of things that all work together in symbiosis. So it's a mixture of the landscape or the creatures that live within it, the people that live within it and go to making it what it is and what it has been through different centuries. The piece that I've chosen to read is a short poem by Emily Hasler called Grasmere Lake. So living in Grasmere, we hear people asking about Grasmere Lake a lot. And this poem explains both what the problem with that is, but also maybe how we might think about that a little bit differently. Grasmere Lake. A tautology, yes, but then the pedant's tut ignores precisely the fact some things deserve the slip of double affirmation, being twice named for good reason. Once for the mere width, once more for those hidden depths. Gasp not at the reiteration, but the escapology, the trick by which we entangle further to detach, the reason for the taut surface and infinite trap doors, which open only once and promptly close fast. My name is Al Veery, and I am a bookseller based in Pooleybridge, Oldswater. The piece of writing I have chosen that for me expresses part of the magic and wonder of the Lake District is actually a song by Jake Thackeray called North Country Song. In the song, Thackeray, although he's more likely to be speaking about his native Swaledale, he conjures up a typical Lake District day where it's raining, it's misly, the cows are trying to find shelter under bits of hawthorn. In the song, Thackeray beautifully conjures that up and also follows a farmer who emerges from a farmhouse and makes his way slowly down to his meadow where the song leaves him singing in his meadow. And it's just this feeling of triumph and glory in spite of this typical northern weather. North country countryside, the grim indifference of your nature. Most other men would turn, stumbling homeward. But this one is a different kind. He knows the pinches of an older hunger. A greater storm than yours in his heart rages. For though the weather blow wild, I see the shepherd whistling on his moorside. And in despite of the cold, the poor farmer singing in his meadow below. Singing in his meadow below. I'm David Evans. I'm the manager of the Westman Dales Landscape Partnership Scheme, which is based in part of Cumbria to the north of the Haugans. So the magic of Cumbria for me is the sheer variety of the landscapes here, particularly some of the limestone landscapes which connect with the Yorkshire Dales, but also ring the whole of the Lake District. I'm from Somerset originally, and Somerset's all about the contrast between very flat, low-lying land and the hills around it. And interesting, you get that contrast in the South Lakes as well, in areas like Whitbarrow and Scoutscar. 
The publication I've chosen is not a book or a bit of poetry, but it's the maps of the Ordnance Survey. They're the things that really lit my interest in the Lake Trist. It's probably originally with uh, looking at the Langdale Pikes as part of school O-level geography. But today, you just look at any Ordnance Survey map of Cumbria and there's so much to explore. So, so much about its geology, its history, its landscape, its ecology the way the whole area has been settled, and it's just full of information, endlessly fascinating. My name is Matt Sowerby. I'm a poet and writer and sometimes activist from Kirby Lonsdale. For me, the magic of Cumbria is something to do with the care that people put into it. And that's both kind of the care for the landscape and also the care that they put into the communities. It just feels like everybody is invested and it's hard not to be invested because of how beautiful it is but I also see people really putting in work to preserve that and to make it even better and to elevate it. So the poem that I've chosen is by a friend of mine called Tom Sinden. This summer I ran a poetry festival in Kirby Lonsdale and he came up as a volunteer and he'd never been to the area before um, and this is something that he wrote about the area. I think when you grow up somewhere and you live there your whole life, you can kind of know on paper that it's beautiful and special. But when someone else comes in and recognizes those things about it, then it really refreshes the way that you see it. Um, and you can kind of fall in love with it all over again through their eyes. And so that's why this poem was really special to me. You feel it sometimes, right? The rigidity of intersecting angles, the binding of heat, beer, rain, thunder, trans joy and churches into a typewritten full stop. Convergences compress the carbon of causality, form the lapis of the moment. That is how miracles make themselves. My name is Sue Allen and I'm a native Cumbrian who writes and plays music and sings and studies. The magic of Cumbria for me has to be a feeling of sense of place. Born and bred in Wickton in the north of the county, the Lake District's on my doorstep and the Northern Fells have always been part of my skyline with many generations of my family living and working on those fells, including the famous huntsman, John Peel, who we all ken, of course. I left for a short while, but I came back because Cumbrians, like Herdwick sheep, always come back to their heath. And getting to the bottom of this has been a lifetime project for me, and I've explored it all my adult life. And just being in and absorbing not only the place, which is a marvellous thing, but the people who live and work within it. The piece of writing I've chosen is something in dialect, going back as far as 1804, from the pen of the Cumberland Bard, alias Robert Anderson of Carlisle, who wrote some fabulous dialect songs and poetry. And this is from his poem, Canny Cumberland, uh, which he says in an early verse, Canny old Cumberland caps them all still, it's the best county. We that has climbed Skidder has seen secker prospect, where fells frown our fells and in majesty vie. We that has seen Keswick and count half its beauties may e'en try to count half the stars i' the sky. 
There's Ullswater, Bassenthut, Wastwater, Derwent, that thousands and thousands have travelled to view. The langer they gaze, still the mare they may wonder, and I, as they wonder, may find somewhat new. My name is Jeff Appleyard. I'm a retired biomedical scientist, but have now retrained as a Cumbria tourist guide, and I live in Flukeborough. For me, the magic of Cumbria is that journey north on the M6. You're coming by Fortin Services, you see the mountains ahead, maybe you catch a glimpse of the bay, and you know you're nearly home. The piece of writing I've chosen is Alfred Wainwright's end piece in his seventh book, The Western Fells, where he's signing off after a 13 year project that he's delivered within one week of his original deadline. And he's writing a farewell almost to the fells. And I feel it speaks to anyone that's climbed a Lakeland mountain, whether it's just one or all 214. One day you will not be able to climb that mountain, but it will still be there. I'm Rebecca Anderson and I'm a Lake District blogger and I live in Ambleside. The magic in the Lake District for me is the constant ebb and flow in the environment, in the light, in the weather, in the distinct seasons. I notice a change more deeply living here than I ever did in the city. Those moments where the day has been overcast and dull and suddenly a ray of light bursts through the clouds and illuminates the fell sides. I love the excitement of seeing a dusting of snow on the summit and watching the emerald glow of the bracken in summertime fade to copper in autumn. I also find magic in how the environment has changed me and brought me comfort in times of sadness. When I arrived nearly four years ago, I found myself in a time of transition after a breakup and returning from travelling. I found comfort and solace walking solo in the hills, a space both physically and metaphorically to clear my head amongst the wide open spaces. Walking solo is the time I feel truly connected with the Lake District. When I look across the skyline and pick out each of the hills by name, I can recall the memory from the day I climbed it and remember who I was at the time. The piece of writing that I have chosen is by Alfred Wainwright and it sums up for me just the beauty of being up in the hills and especially being solo. My name is Chris Butterfield. I am a Wainwright archivist and author. I'm also the creator of the Alfred Wainwright Books and Memorabilia website and Facebook group, which focuses on Wainwright's publishing and printing history. The piece of writing I have chosen is a well-known paragraph by Alfred Wainwright. It features in the closing comments to his final Lakeland pictorial guide, The Western Fells. As I have gotten older, I have become more aware of the passage of time and my own mortality. Recreating some of Wainwright's journeys in my new book, Wainwright Memories, highlights how quickly lives change, but the Lake District remains timeless. I think this is why Wainwright's final passage in Book 7 resonates with me more than ever. The fleeting hour of life of those who love the hills is quickly spent, but the hills are eternal. Always there will be the lonely ridge, the dancing beck, the silent forest. Always there will be the exhilaration of the summits. These are for the seeking, and those who seek and find while there is still time will be blessed both in mind and body. <laughs>